Welcome back to pewterpowers.com, everybody. It is another edition of A Few Extra Bucks, more than a few extra takes on your Cafe Buccaneers. I am Mike Neighbors. We're going to bring in our voice of reason, Justin Thomas. He's our producer and our Bucks insider, Roy Cummings. But first, we'd like to thank our title sponsors, House of Brews and Lutes and Sea Dog Brewing Company, two locations in Clearwater and Treasure Island on the beach. Great brews, great food, great service. And we're nearing the stretch run of this preseason. One last game, and boy, we can smell the regular season almost a week away when the Bucks open up things against the New Orleans Saints. But a lot to get to. we got a lot of sound uh, following the Bucks' last preseason game against the Detroit Lions. I'm going to bring in our voice of reason, Justin Thomas. Justin, we couldn't do this without you. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you all? We're doing good. Let me bring in Roy Cummings, our Buccaneer insider. Roy, um, I kind of, you know, I don't know if I'm waffling a little bit, but uh, I used to be a big fan of four preseason games. But this preseason game, maybe it's that the Buccaneers are better than they used to be, and there's not as many battles. You know, we pretty much know the roster. But what's your take on a, on preseason game number four, having four preseason games? You know, from a media perspective, it's always been the hardest game to follow, write about, uh, find anything interesting in it. You know, unless there's like one position battle that you know where someone, you know, you try to focus on somebody who you know is on the bubble and has a real chance to make the team, um, you know, and that's kind of how you look at it. But it's hard to watch an entire football game for one or two guys, you know, um, even if you're spending the whole game watching like, you know, tonight, I, this time around. I mean, I think, um, you know, Jack Sishi is a guy that uh, you would look at that this game means a lot for him and maybe others like him, Cameron Lynch or uh, – uh, Riley Bullitt, you know, our, our friend from uh, uh, last season. Uh, and Mr. Stuff. Hard Knocks. Yeah, Mr. Hard Knocks, yeah. And so it's, it's a hard game to, to get excited about, even for the most diehard fans. It's even hard for the coaches and, and, and uh, GMs, really, because at the end of the day, you know, Jason Light said today, out of the, of the 53 players they know that, who they're going to keep, they know all but about maybe two or three of them. And those two or three guys, by the way, are probably going to change at some point in the first week, maybe even two weeks before, you know, once the season starts, between now and the start of the season, those those guys may not even be on the team because somebody else is going to become available uh, to another team and they're going to take advantage of that and they're going to try to make moves to bring those guys on board. So um, it's, it's really a weird kind of time. It's, it's really a time when you, you really, really wish – more than ever, that there were only two preseason games we could just get started on the regular season. And it's that way for the players, too. I can promise you that. Roy, you know who I always feel sorry for in a game like this is Gene Deckerhoff. Can you imagine doing play-by-play in a game like this? Not only do you have all these moving parts on the team you know or you're supposed to know, but the other team, too. I mean, there's so many players that play in this game. Yeah, it, it's hard for <laughs> – I got to think it's hard for Gene Deckerhoff to, to get, you know, get excited about this one. But – you know, hey, he calls them all uh, as best he can. He's, you know, he's a hey, he's a pro. Uh, right. He he finds a way to make even a game like this exciting. And you know what? One thing they have the benefit of is they're going to sit down with the the coaching staff and with the GM, you know, beforehand, and they're going to know exactly, you know, who's fighting for a roster spot, who's got a chance to make an impact, and 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 that you know helps them along. But it, it's a game that you really just kind of can't wait to get through. Yeah, I had a chance to go to practice this week, and I asked Dirk Cutter about the talent on this football team compared to past years, and uh, here's what he had to say. 
Dirk, you've added a lot of pieces since you've been a head coach here. Is this football team harder to make than it was three years ago, or can you compare? Can, can you compare that at all? Uh, you really, really don't think of it like that. I mean, you just think of right now. So, I mean, if we really went back and looked at it, and then the other thing is all positions are different. You know, some positions are better than others right now. And injuries always factor into it where we're thin and when we're not. So, I mean, we're definitely, we definitely have a, a more talented team at the top. And uh, at some positions, definitely harder. You kind of came around at the end there, but I think there's no doubt about it, Roy, that this is Dirk Cutter's best roster and the toughest football team to make since he's been the head coach. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, it just kind of naturally progresses that way when you've been in the situation the Bucks are in, where you've had some premium draft picks. Um, you've done a good job of trading for players uh, or trading for extra picks on draft day, which they've done. Uh, you've done a pretty good job in, the, in free agency, which I think they've done consistently over the, you know, more often than not, they hit on the right guy. You know, everybody wants to, you know, criticize free agency for the guys that miss, but they forget about the guys who made it, you know, like a Brent Grimes. He's not new, you know, he's been here now for three years. So uh, that goes back three free agency periods ago where they signed a guy like that. And there, there's several like that. Chris Conti is another one. Um, you know, he's been around for a while now and he's a darn good football player. And People who think he's not just don't know the game of football. And I challenge anyone to uh, take me on on that. Um, so, you know, Dirk Cutter talked about that this week as well. And, um, you know, but that's that's where they are. You expect this team to get better because of the premium draft picks they've had. You expect them to get better because uh, they, they're doing a better job in free agency, in my opinion. Um, and and that just makes it harder to, to find a spot. So, yeah, that's what you want. You want it to be hard to find a spot. You want to have to let go of good players. You want your roster to be that, that strong that uh, come come that final roster pick, Somebody says, wow, I can't believe they let that guy go. So uh, that, that's, that's a sign you're getting better. Can I, can I change my mind week to week on a podcast? I promise you I won't do it often, but do I have the right to do that, Roy? Yeah, because I don't know what we're going to talk about anyway, man. <laughs> okay, because last week I said I thought Jameis Winston should play in the fourth preseason game. And you know what? I don't think he should play uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, you know, if he gets hurt, that's going to cost the Bucks a lot of money. And he's not going to be thrown to the guys he's – going to need reps with throwing with so I thought that was a good move that the Bucks aren't going to play him in this game what do you think yeah I agree uh, I don't think I never thought it was really gonna I didn't think it was going to happen to begin with um, I'm not surprised that he's going to sit it out uh, you have to remember Jameis Winston is your number one quarterback he's at the top of the depth chart if you're at the top of the depth chart uh, with this football team you're more than likely not going to play uh, the only reason you would play is if you've gone through the first three preseason games and gotten no snaps or virtually no snaps. Um, for a guy like that, you know, Vernon Hargraves is, a, is an example. There's a guy who may play a little bit this weekend, yeah. um, or Thursday night, I should say, um, because he hasn't had a lot of snaps. He, he missed some time in training camp, missed some time in the preseason. He's a guy who could get some snaps, but um, they're not going to throw Brent Grimes out there. They're not going to throw DeMar Dotson out there. They're not going to throw Ryan Jensen out there. Those guys are established players they know how to get ready for the season they don't need uh you know a dozen extra snaps or 24 snaps or even two snaps in this particular preseason game to get ready for the start of the season so Jameis Winston falls into that category he's your number one quarterback uh you wouldn't normally play him uh in in a game like this um these are not necessarily normal circumstances but uh it's 
he's not going to gain much by playing in this preseason game. Therefore, uh, you, it, there's more of a risk than there is a reward to be gained uh, from this uh, from this situation. So, no, you hold him out. Well, what do you think about these guys, though? What do you think about a Ronald Jones who who needs more playing time or an M.J. Stewart who is, is hurt and probably won't play because of that reason or a Carlton a Davis who has had, obviously, a great preseason but needs more snaps? Do you think guys like that who are great prospects but you certainly don't want to – and you don't want anybody to get hurt, but you don't want those guys to get hurt, but they need snaps. What about guys like you know Ronald Jones, MJ Stewart, Carlton Davis? I think rookies uh, need to play in this game because it's it's a bunch of, against a bunch of other rookies. Uh, you know it's a lot like going to the senior Bowl or something and, and watching guys work there. So uh, it's an opportunity to see them against you know what are truly their peers, uh, NFL caliber players who, uh, are trying to fight, you know, fight for a roster spot. Look, MJ Stewart has nothing, uh, you know, secured. I mean, yes, he's going to make the roster, but beyond that, there's nothing secured. His, his, you know, the amount of playing time he's going to get probably isn't set yet. Um, where he's going to play isn't set yet. He needs all the snaps he can get outside corner, inside corner, maybe even a little bit of safety. Uh, same with Carlton Davis. Certainly Ronald Jones needs to play. Um, I'll be surprised if those guys don't get uh, extensive time in this game because they need the opportunity because there's a real good chance that Ronald Jones, Carlton Davis, MJ Stewart, if everything goes the way the Bucks want it to, those guys won't be playing as much as everybody thinks they will come the right. start of the regular season. But that depends on injuries and how they're performing in practice. So, um, you know, now is a perfect time to see how those guys uh, ha- have done throughout the course of the preseason in terms of getting themselves ready. Um, they, they still need some snaps. So, yeah, I, I, I would expect to see them play this game. Yeah, I do too. Let's talk about an intriguing position on this football team. You're really top-heavy, and it's your strongest position is wide receiver. may have the best group of guys in the NFL. I mean, from Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, uh, Chris Godwin, Adam Humphreys. And then you have a battle after that. And, you know, there's a lot of guys fighting for those last couple roster spots at wide receiver. You know, you have Justin Watson, the rookie, who's looked good in training camp, Bobo Wilson, Freddie Martino, uh, Bernard Reedy. Uh, I had a chance to uh, visit with Bucks rookie wide receiver Justin Watson, who I was really impressed with after Tuesday's practice. Uh, he spent about 40 minutes after practice uh, catching balls and, and just staying late. And he came off the practice field, and I asked him about that. I just saw you. Last guy off the field with four-stringer Austin Allen, the quarterback. That's been a priority for you this camp, hasn't it? Yeah, it's something I took pride in in college. Uh, you know, being a leader and older guy in college, uh, just being the last one out there, and it's just kind of been a part of my routine. And, you know, as a rookie, just uh, showing everyone in this organization that I'm uh, ready and willing to work. How about that, Roy Cummings? I know you're always the last guy out of the press box, but uh, pretty pretty <laughs> impressive stuff from that rookie, right? Yeah, it is. Um, I like that this is something he's kind of – he did in college. Look, he's, you know, it worked for him in college. It's going to work for him here. When you're a player like Justin Watson, you have to figure out a way to make the team take notice of you. And there's a lot of ways to do it. You obviously can do it on the field, and you can do it sometimes by being the last guy off the field and just showing everybody that, you know, your work ethic is second to none. And sometimes that's what pushes, uh, you know, guys onto a roster. If everything is even – between two players, for example, at a position, and you see one guy, everything's even in terms of their ability, their skill set, um, you know, their performance up to this point, and you see one guy who, who's out there always trying to get better, and another guy who's 
I don't know, maybe quick to get off the field or doesn't hang around that much, doesn't really isn't really working to be a leader, doesn't maybe blend with the guys as much. Um, you're probably going to take the guy who works a little bit harder and is trying to become more than just a good player on the field, uh, someone who's trying to, you know, take on some leadership uh, responsibilities and things like that. So um, I think it's important. I think it's a good move on his part. Um, I think it's a way to make the team, and my guess is that he's going to be one of those guys who – gets a lot of playing time this week because he needs it because he's got a chance of making this team. And if he doesn't, he's got a chance of becoming a practice squad guy. And if he doesn't make that, he's got a real good chance of being one of the first guys called uh, when an injury does occur at that position. So um, he's a guy that, um, you know, impressions can last a long time. And we saw it happen this week. Dante Dye was called up this week uh, by the Buccaneers. He was sitting at home waiting for a call. Uh, hadn't been in the NFL for a while now. Um, has been with the Bucks a couple of different times, and he's kind of he's always been a bubble guy. Um, and he got a call this week uh, because of some injuries. Uh, you know, for guys like that who are fighting for that fifty-third spot on the roster or a practice squad spot, um, you always have to keep fighting. And Justin Watson has already learned that uh, that lesson, and I think it's going to serve him well because I think he's going to be rewarded for it in some way here uh, over the course of the next week and a half. Uh, he's either going to get himself a roster spot or as I said earlier, possibly a, a practice squad position. So uh, good for him. I think his hard work and his, uh, his skills have uh, are going to pay dividends to him. He's going to be very happy here uh, sometime before the start of the season. You know, you talk about developing work habits. Uh, you know, watching hard knocks with the Cleveland Browns, I remember early on Hugh Jackson took Baker Mayfield aside and was asking him his routine because Tyrod Taylor had a routine. And Baker Mayfield really didn't have a routine. You know, Tyrod Taylor would get there – two hours early, maybe an hour and a half early and work out. And then Baker Mayfield, you saw him a few episodes later, develop a routine. He just learned how to be a professional. So it's encouraging to me to see a guy like Justin Watson kind of already have that routine. I asked him after practice today, out of all the, the veteran receivers on this team, who has helped him the most? Chris Godwin, actually. You know, I oh, think wow. okay. everyone's uh, been helping me. Mike has been helping me a lot, you know, just playing with my size and using that to my advantage. But uh, you know, Chris Godwin's the guy that, in his second year, did a great job last year um, on special teams in the run game and then had a nice end of the season catching passes, and it's something that I think I could uh, do this year. So I've just been uh, trying to hold on to him, see what he did last year, and follow that same process. So if you had to handicap the wide receivers, you kind of broke down a little bit on, on Justin Watson. I thought that was interesting. You know, Chris Godwin already acting like a veteran. He's only his second year as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. But if you had to handicap these wide receivers right now, you know, who do you think makes the team, Ron? It's really tough to call, and I think it's going to come down to Thursday night. Um, yeah. Look, we know Mike Evans is on the team. You know, uh, Deshaun Jackson is on the team. Adam Humphreys is on the team. Uh, the real question is, are they going to keep five or six? I think they keep six just because they they have that much depth and they don't want to lose some of these guys. I think they keep six, and I, I, I think, you know, I think Justin Watson's going to make it. I think he's going to make it along with Chris Godwin. Um, I think Bobo Wilson has a chance as well. Uh, wouldn't be surprised to see those two guys um, fight it out for the last spot and both of them make it at some point So uh, if they keep six. So I think there's a real good chance for those guys. Yeah, you, you mentioned Bobo Wilson. Yeah, he was kind of uh, exploited somewhat in hard knocks last year. But every time Dirk Cutter's asked about Bobo Wilson, he really defends him and he you know, talks about the whole hard knocks scenario is, you know, you're always kind of looking for something when you're hard knocks. And we all get that a little bit, but he's gone out of his way to compliment Bobo Wilson, who has looked steady this camp. So, yeah, I think Bobo Wilson, Justin Watson, two good candidates to stick around on this football team. 
Uh, let's talk. You mentioned the linebackers earlier, but you know, Raleigh Bull is a guy who's had his you know been in a booth the last couple of days. A real popular guy on this team because of his effort, you know, doing a lot of things that Justin Watson's done the last couple of years, and uh, fits well in that locker room. But you know, he may have a hard time making this team, Roy. Yeah, I he may, but he is a guy. What makes him stand out is not his physical ability. Um, it's his mental approach to the game. He's a tremendous leader, number one. Number two, there isn't a thing about this defense he doesn't know. He's, he's one of those guys who's always telling everybody else how to line up, which is part That's of the job right. of a middle linebacker. But right. he is ahead of so many guys fighting for spots you know, in that regard, that that's something that's important. Plus, he plays special teams. And he's just – he's a hustler, man. You, you yeah. love guys like that on your team because they kind of show other guys the way. You know, uh, it was interesting. Justin Watches just talked about Chris Godwin and how he helped him. You know, this, that kind of ability to help younger players, even if they're fighting for your spot, that's something that teams love. And, um, you know, I think that's something that's going to help Riley Bullock. Um, I, I think at the, to be honest with you, I think at the end of the day, I think he makes the team along with Cameron Lynch. Um, a lot of those last spots end up going to guys who, uh, uh, in essence are, are special teams players. Um, he, he gets that, uh, nod there because he can be a part of that. He could end up on the practice squad, but I think Jack Cici ends up on the practice squad. And I think Riley Bullock, uh, earns a roster spot just like he did uh, late in the season last year. I think he gets in there. You've talked about Cici since uh, the draft. I remember we had all our PeterPirates.com specials back then. And when he was drafted, I was I remember you know, looking back at the entire draft, and he was a guy that kind of – he's intrigued you for a while, hasn't he? Jack Cici? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, he has. I mean, look, this is a guy who – he comes from a football family. He's one of those – he's just one of those football guys. I mean, he's always been a very smart player, really knows the game very well. Um, and he's a kid who – I'll tell you what, I, I've talked to scouts who told me that had it not been for the injuries that sidelined him for, in essence, the last two years at, 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 uh, at Wisconsin. I mean, he's only played a handful of games over the last couple of years. Were it not for those injuries, his skill set and his smarts would have made him a first or second round draft pick. And I think what the Bucks invested in was the opportunity to just get this kid healthy. He plays a position where we're deep anyway. This is what they're thinking. They're deep there anyway. Uh, and again, because you've got behind the Levante Davis, the Quan Alexanders, and the Devontae Bonds, and guys like that, um, the Kendall Beckwith, you've got uh, Riley Bullock and Cameron Lynch. So they're deep anyway. He's a guy that they can put on their practice squad and just develop over the next year or two, get him healthy, make sure that he understands the scheme. And then lo and behold, you know, two years from now, or worst case scenario, late in the season, if somebody's just hurt and you've had some injuries there. Here's a guy you can plug in, and guess what? Chances are he's going to play, you know, a little bit like a season pro, season pro right out of the box because he's just that good. So this is a real. This kid's got real potential to be be a steal of this draft. Um, I think he's an exceptional football player. He just needs to be healthy to prove it. All right, let's talk about a guy who is not going to see uh, any action on Thursday against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and that's running back Peyton Barber. Uh, we just taped our latest uh, video wrap for the Buccaneers for PeterPirates.com that will be released on Wednesday. And one of the uh, highlights of it is a one-on-one I had with Peyton Barber, very soft-spoken, modest player, but has had an unbelievable offseason and has carried it over to having a great training camp and preseason. In fact, he played so well 
in the game, uh, the dress rehearsal against the Detroit Lions, Dirk Cutter saw enough after the first drive where he almost had 40 yards rushing and he scored a touchdown. And uh, wise, uh, wisely enough, yanked him and he didn't see any action after that. I had a chance to talk to Peyton Barber and ask him about a number of topics. First of all, you know, how satisfying is it for him to be a starter after not being a guy who was drafted, had to really earn his way to this position? How satisfying is it for him to be in this position right now? You've had to buy your time. You know, how do you feel like you've matured as a running back that you can handle the lion's share of the load for this football team? I feel like I've matured in all aspects of my game. Uh, pass protection, running the ball, uh, you know, pretty much everywhere. So. And I also had a chance to talk to Peyton Barber about, uh, you know, Ronald Jones, uh, a rookie who has struggled this preseason. And, you know, Peyton Barber knows, you know, every player's been there, but how has he tried to help his uh, – running back who, who many thought would give him that nice compliment, but it looks like Peyton Barber you know, may have to shoulder more to the load, but we talked about Ronald Jones. They draft the running back second round, Ronald Jones, kind of a different change of pace. And you see in New Orleans and a lot of NFL teams, you need the, the complimentary running back. How do you feel like he's coming along? I know he's had some rookie rough spots as everybody does. Everybody does yeah. uh, I'm sure you try to help him along the way a little bit too. Most definitely, most definitely. Um, I, I, I try to help him as if I was trying to help myself. Um, he's a lot further along than I was my rookie year. So I know he's – Ronald is definitely he's, – he's a special back. What do you think, Roy, long term? I know it's really early, but it obviously looks like Peyton Barber's going to get the lion's share of the carries. But do you think long term, uh, Ronald Jones, Peyton Barber, that could be something? I really do. I mean, I think that's why the Bucks drafted uh, Ronald Jones because they do believe that he's going to bring a different – uh, dynamic to the running game. He's a, he's a home run hitter. That's what he is. What Ronald Jones has to figure out in order to get there is how to get through the line in a hurry the way he did at USC. He's not a guy who can run parallel to the line of scrimmage and, and just, you know, he's not going to work too well, I think, in a zone scheme. Um, I think he's got to be a guy who just hits the, hits the hole quickly, hits it hard, slashes through there and gets in open space because that's when he takes off. So, uh, I think that opportunity is going to come. He's just got to find his comfort level in the league. Some, it takes a little bit longer for guys sometimes uh, to figure that part out, and I think he will. He'll, he'll develop a comfort zone. He'll get there, and when he does, because the skill set's exceptional. It really is, and he's, as I said, he's a home run hitting type. Uh, that's something the Bucks really don't have right now, and I think with, along with Peyton Barber, who's a little bit more of a tougher runner, um, kind of a, when you think of Peyton Barber – Think a little bit of Ernest Graham, uh, former Bucks running back, a one-cut runner, um, yeah, very decisive, um, but powerful at the same time, quick, uh, but powerful. Uh, that that's what his role is, and and you know he'll he'll bang out some extra yards after contact, um, and make make it tough to tackle you. So um, you know he's they're two different style runners, and that's why I think they both will work very well together in the same backfield, uh, complementing each other and splitting the carries. I think that's the game plan going forward. And as soon as uh, Ronald Jones finds his comfort level in the league, uh, that's what they'll be doing with those guys. Roy, you, you've been on the Peyton Barber bandwagon uh, for a long time. The whole offseason uh, training camp, you talked about him. And you really couldn't ask for better uh, you know, offseason and training camp for Peyton Barber. You know, What do you see from him? I mean, he had such a great stretch run last year as well. I mean, it kind of coincided with Jameis Winston playing well. You know. How important is this guy to this football team? I mean, we've talked about the wide receivers, the tight ends. 
We've talked about the quarterbacks ad nauseum in these podcasts. Boy, if you get some nice contributions from Peyton Barber, that changes the complexion of this football team. Well, it really does. And here's the thing. Um, You know, the Buccaneers want to run the ball. Sure, they're a passing team. You know, they've got a lot of weapons in the passing game. But in order to make those passes work in Dirk Cutter's system, you have to be able to run the ball. You have to be able to set up those play-action fakes. Remember who's a quarterback. And this is why this is all important. You have a drop-back quarterback who's got to be a three- to five-step guy in Jameis Winston. Doesn't have a real quick release. Is one of those guys who kind of has to set himself up. Needs a little bit of, you know, that extra second um, to, to, you know, to, to get into his rhythm and throw the ball. Same with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Not a real quick release kind of guy. In order to do that, plus, don't forget, the routes that they run are deep routes. You know, it's a three-vertical system, uh, like what BYU used to run back in the day. It's a three-vertical system, and, you know, those routes take time to develop. So you've got to go back three steps, five steps. And in order to make that work, what you've got to have in front of that is someone biting on a play-action fake. And that's why the running game is important so that you can stay in – You don't, first of all, you don't want, you know, third and eight, third and 12, third and 14. You want third and two and third and three and third and five. So, in order to make that happen, you have to be able to run the ball on the early downs. Uh, You have to set up the opportunity for linebackers and safeties to bite on those play action fakes to give you that split second uh, of time that's needed for those routes to develop and for the quarterback to get into his, uh, uh, his delivery and deliver the ball. So, running the running game is very important to this team. They want to be balanced. They need it for the run, for the passing game to work, um, just from a technical standpoint. So there's a lot on Peyton Barber's shoulders. Ronald Jones, too. There's a lot on their shoulders. They are very important players to this team um, because this team, at the end of the day, needs to be balanced in how it approaches uh, moving the football. That was a good breakdown. You had everything but a Lavelle Edwards reference when breaking down the old BYU formations. Yeah, that's, right. <laughs> that's the man. That's right. All right. Well, listen, we're uh, we're wrapping up, but we cannot wrap it up without our three and out segment. It's time, Justin. Yeah, three, and we're out of here. Will Cummings has not seen his questions, and uh, you know he always delivers expert analysis, like he just gave us there with the wide receivers and the uh, all the alignments on this Buccaneer offense. Okay. Three questions and we're out of here. Number one, Roy, you've covered this football team for a long time. In your recollection of battles to make the Buccaneers, what was the toughest battle you remember? Oh, boy. How about that? Oh, gosh. Yeah, uh, man. Oh, man. Uh, son of a gun. Um, Did I stump you finally? Yeah, you've stumped me there. Uh Wow. Um, I, I don't know. It doesn't have to be toughest. Maybe one that you remember thinking, man, I'm not sure who's going to make this, or I was just one that stood out for you. Maybe you were surprised a guy made the football team, or uh, I don't know. There's, I know you've covered a lot of training camps. This is not the best answer because I would need time to really go back and think about it. Um, but you know what? I was a little surprised that Jeremy McNichols got let go last year. I know he had a rough – and that's not a good answer, I said. But um, yeah, people were you know, surprised. I gotta be honest. Most of the time, you can read the roster. You know, seldom do guys get cut that you don't expect not to get cut. Um, 
you know, that's the thing I can tell you from my years of experience is seldom does someone get cut that I don't expect to get cut. But I was a little surprised to see Jeremy McNichols get let go the way he was last year because I thought where they drafted him, they could have put him on the practice squad, could have held on to him, and could have said, you know, hey, there's an opportunity here. Uh, you just got to figure things out. But they decided on Jeremy McNichols last year that this kid's just not cut out for the NFL, um, at least on, at our level. And uh, so that, that was a surprise. Now, again, I don't think that's the best answer. But How about when Brad Culpepper was cut? No, saw it coming. Really? I, I, I got to be honest. Most of the guys whose names that you'll throw out there and like, you know, hey, remember when he got cut? I was like, yeah, I remember it. it was, we knew it was coming. It was because most the, – the, to me, the job of the general manager, you've got to know when a guy has pretty much hit the wall right. and, and, and when to move on. Even and, – and, you know, look, I was surprised that John Lynch got let go. That Warren yeah. Sapp got let go, um, but I could see why the team did it at the time. Uh, Derek Brooks, that was surprising. That was surprising. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there, there's been a few that that you kind of you know you you know you, you raise an eyebrow, but again, but you know what? Why? You know what? Out of all those moves, frankly, the only one that didn't really you know make sense in the long run was John Lynch because Sapp and Brooks yeah. were done at that point. Uh, John Lynch had Pro Bowl seasons. To me, out of those three, Lynch was the, the bad move. But the others were, were – back to your point, that was the time to let those guys go. As hard as it was, it was time. Yeah. It was like when Hardy Nickerson got let go. A lot of people said they let him go a year early. Well, maybe they did. But they knew that a year from now, it was going to be – it was going to cost – it was going to be costly for him. And, and when – you know, the again, the job of, of scouts and general managers is to know exactly when the time is right to let a veteran in particular go, um, you know, and it's tough to do. It was tough to do with Derek Brooks, but by the way, to Derek Brooks, you know, Derek Brooks really never got the calls he was looking for for the opportunity he wanted. Um, I know he didn't want to move either, but, you know, there were some opportunities for him, but they weren't really starting opportunities. So everybody else could see as well that he was pretty much done. And uh, if he didn't fit into a, a Tampa two scheme, he probably wasn't going to excel. So uh, yeah, I, I Again, I, I just I've, I've seldom been surprised by these moves. All right, our second question in our three, and we're out of here. Des Bryant, oh Des Bryant, Des Bryant. He's the flavor of the month this preseason. We saw him hard knocks. Boy, I thought he was just going to take over hard knocks walking through the hallways there. If you were a general manager in this league, let's say, uh, I mean, I guess it has to be the right fit. But let's just say you're the the GM in in, in Cleveland. Do you sign Des Bryant? Um. No, I don't. Uh, here's why. I, I, you, know, you know, I don't look. If I'm if I'm Cleveland, I don't, because in Cleveland, he becomes a distraction, and 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 not a good one. He becomes a distraction because I don't think he's going to be happy in Cleveland because Cleveland's not ready to win. Right. In Jacksonville, I think about it because Marquise Lee is gone. You're hurt. At an at a important position, this guy could come in and make you better. But the problem is he only plays one position. He's an X receiver. If you've yeah. got an X receiver, you don't want this guy. Because if you've got an X receiver, which is the top receiving spot, that's the number one guy on the outside. If you've got that guy, he's going to gripe and moan because he thinks he should be playing ahead of the guy you got, no matter who the, who the guy you got is. 
So I think he's going to gripe and moan over any over right. something. He's going to find something to gripe and moan the about. The only way I sign Des Bryant is if I'm if I honestly think that I've got a chance at going deep into the playoffs, and I absolutely need a receiver, a la Jacksonville. I think that's a team that should think about it. But if it, if if at the end of the day they're afraid that he's going to disrupt the chemistry in that locker room, you can't do it. And you've got to be a strong locker room like the Cowboys wore with enough other personality so that when he goes off on a tangent or, or, or goes or does a riff or whatever it might be, it's not the most, you know, noticed thing in the room. It's got to be that way. If he is in Jacksonville, it could be that way. So you got to have a lot of talks with him. You got to make sure that he's on board with the, with the team system, everything else. It's just a tough call. I mean, a lot of players put themselves in these positions where they're just not wanted because they become too much of a problem, and that's where Des Bryant is. Shouldn't he be in New England? I mean, Randy Moss had worked for him in New England. Randy Moss and nope. Des Bryant, to me, are cut out of the same cloth. You don't think New England? Nope, nope. I, look, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Bill Belichick brought him in if they needed him, but right. it wouldn't surprise me if they don't either because, you know what, they're just not going to go get any you know talented player. He's got to be the right player. He's got to be the right fit in that room. That's what's most important to Bill Belichick. And the uh, look, Bill Belichick knows exactly how he's running his football team, what players are needed to do on every single down. If he's going to go get a guy like Des Bryant, Des Bryant's going to have to know that this is your role. And if you can't accept this role, then I can't have you as part of this team. And that, may, that role may be, you know, 28 snaps a game uh, backing up somebody. And, you know, and it could be 42 snaps a game being the starter. But, if he's not willing to play the role, whatever it is, Belichick's not going to bring him in. Interesting. All right, my last one. I was kind of—I've been tough on you today. Yeah, I threw some tough ones at you, but I'm going to end with the fastball, like I like. Hopefully, I do every week. If you could pick one beetle, all right, on your football team, and you're pl- you're t- taking sides, and you had to pick one of four, you know, it's like the, you're on the playground. Which beetle is the first round pick for Roy Cummings? <laughs> I'm gonna take John Lennon because as a kid he was tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He uh, he he was a bit of a fighter. Yeah, he, right. he he was willing to fight you when he was a kid. He grew, he grew out of that, but uh, but he was a little bit of a fighter as a kid. So I'll take the kid. I'll take the guy with the fight in him. All right, who's give me the order after John Lennon then? Uh, then Paul, then George, then Ringo. Paul for his versatility. Oh, Ringo's last. Ringo's last in this one, right? Right. Uh, George, because he's uh, because he'll fly under the radar and do everything you ask him to do, right? And he won't make any noise about it. He's the he's the Justin Watson of the Beatles. He, well, you know who he is. He's the Adam Humphreys of the Beatles. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or the Adam Humphreys of the Bucks. That's what he would be. He's like Adam Humphreys. He flies under the radar. Does a whole lot of great stuff. He's the quiet one. Right. I got you. He's the quiet one. And then Ringo. Hey man, he keeps a great beat, so he'd be, you know, he'll just he'll just keep you moving. <laughs> okay, well that's our three and out, Justin. You know, this was uh, I think I you know I threw some tough ones at Roy. You have anything else for us? Do we leave anything out? Um, look, I think we're all ready for preseason to be over. <laughs> yeah. Um, but <laughs> Roy, you've said that many times. Uh, recently Jerry Jones came out and he advocated getting rid, shaving off two preseason games and extending the regular season to 18. 
Do y'all think that's something that NFL would go for? You think there's a possibility there for that? I do. I think it's going to come. I think the I day think will come. I don't think any more games. Yeah. You think so? Good. Well, I think well, you know what they, you know when they'll do it. They'll do it when they can figure out a way to monetize it in a way that makes sense for the NFL. Um, look, yeah. there's no doubt. Nobody pays attention to the, the last preseason game. All right, uh, it's hard to probably get you know advertisers for that. Uh, I don't know if there's a national game on, you know, this week. Uh, so you, so you're losing money there. All right, um, or you're not losing money. You're making money because you're you're not paying the players yet. But there's the opportunity is there to make more money off of that game, and there's more money to be made off, say, a second preseason games. You know, look, you you and I saw it, Mike, at the game the other night, the third preseason, that all important three third preseason game. Granted, it rained, but there was nobody there. They weren't making any money off parking or concessions or anything like that. That's a lot of money to be made. And it wasn't made. If that was a regular season game, there would have been, well, it's the Bucks, so there would have been 38,000 fans in the stadium. But if it was another team, <laughs> there would have been 65,000 people in the stands. They would have been making millions That's of dollars right. off beers and hot dogs and stuff. And uh, it would have been a moneymaker. You got to think, though, that they would have to add another bye week, though, if they – yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, but you know when the bye week should be? What? I Go think ahead. the bye week should be the second bye week. It's natural. The second bye week should come at Christmas. Take off the week of Christmas. Everybody, take off the week of Christmas. Let the players like go that. home. Be with the families. Same with the coaches. It's right before the playoffs. Gives everybody a chance to re-energize. Just before the last two important, most last one or two most important games of the season, and for the playoffs, I think it'd be a great idea. Give everybody a second bye week, and everybody shares the bye week, and it's the week of Christmas. That's not a bad idea. You're darn right; it's not a bad idea. I'm proposing that. Been proposing that for about 20 years. (laughs) Well, especially for a guy that travels back from New Orleans quite a bit and has had to spend a few Christmases there because that NFL schedule last couple years was brutal. Yeah, I just think I just think the CTE, the head injuries. I don't know if the union's going to want a lot more in this next CBA to get 18 games. That's going to be quite a battle. But uh, if they cut the preseason, maybe it'll work, and you add the bye week. But I just think there's a lot of negotiating that has to be done there. There is, but I still think it can be done. I think two two bye weeks right. players would go for that if they extend the season. I could see that. Oh, I promise they'd go for it. Yeah. They absolutely would. Um, there's no doubt about it, and. Um, Again, it's. Uh, I think to me, it only makes sense uh, that, that you do that. I, I think it's, you know. But again, the reason it makes sense is probably why it, it'll take years for it to happen. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I'll tell you who will love it. The fans will love it, and you know who else will really love it? The fantasy football geeks out there, because the playoffs will be longer, the season will be longer. I mean, that's just better for the NFL. It, you just got to get the players on board. But I mean, it's a no-brainer for the fans to love this. Yeah. Because they don't like the preseason anyway, and they get more of what they want. Yeah, I, I again, I think everybody wins that way, including the players. You know, and look, the players win because they'll expand the rosters a little bit, um, which I think has to happen by maybe three, four games, or they make the taxi squad, the practice squad, you know, an extension of the of the active roster, um, somebody that you can bring on, on on a Sunday if you need to or whatever, some in some form or fashion. Um, you know, so I, I think it's going to happen anyway. Uh, and I'd be, and I, the reason I think it's going to happen 
is because it, everybody benefits from it. Well, good stuff. Uh, Justin Thomas, the voice of reason, with uh, a much better question at the end than any of my three and outs. So uh, I appreciate that. But, uh, Justin, I appreciate it. Roy, uh, I'm going to talk to you after the uh, all-important, huge, gigantic game against Jacksonville on Thursday. We'll have another podcast, and we'll have an extra slice as well. If you log on to PeterPirates.com right after each game uh, in this preseason, Roy Cummings and I have had an extra slice, our extra takes uh, on what has happened in these preseason games. But, uh, partner, I will talk to you soon. All right. I'll see you on Thursday. All right. All right. For Justin Thomas and Roy Cummings, our Buccaneer insider, I am Mike Neighbors. We appreciate our title sponsors, House of Brews and Sea Dog Brewing Company. All the preseason's almost over. The regular stuff is here. We can't wait. Next week, we are going to effort, and we're going to start this every week in our podcast. We're going to get some perspective from every team the Bucks are playing, the beat riders, some media from the opposition we'll go behind enemy lines a little bit and we'll get some insight from them as well we anticipate on doing that with the new orleans press next week Uh, well that's another rendition of a few extra bucks we appreciate you tuning in please subscribe to pewterpirates.com a lot of new stuff we've had in training camp we plan on continuing and adding more during the regular season until next time thanks for tuning in